When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Casey, hello. Hi, MJ. For this bonus episode, I want to do something different because I don't think this happens enough in podcasts. People have just spent the last eight hours of their lives listening to me speak about UFOs uh, and going down this journey. When this first started a long time ago, you were brought in to be my producer. And I want to know what you think because prior to this, you had no real knowledge of the UFO thing. You didn't really have probably, did you have an interest in UFOs prior to this podcast? Sure. I love paranormal stuff. I love ghost stories. I like scary movies, but I had next to no knowledge about this topic. It's very funny because I've been in the UFO world for so long that I just assume people know things about UFOs. And I've learned going through this podcast that the vast majority of humans on this planet, and by vast majority, 99.7% do not give a shit about UFOs in any way, shape, or form. And they They don't know nothing about them. Like, they have no knowledge of the story. So you come into this world, you get dragged kicking and screaming to be a producer on this show. Mm -hmm. That checks out. To help you, God help you work with me. I want to know... When you first got this job, what was like, what ran through your head? Oh, I was stoked. First of all, I was coming from a job where I was doing a lot of scientific research. I was working on a scientific show. So there was a lot of speaking to academics, scientists, a lot of jargon to sift through. And for me to take on this project was like a vacation from that. I'm like, oh, It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about UFOs. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be storytelling. It's going to be scary. We're going to go on a trip. We're going to see ghosts. We're going to see a real UFO. So 
that was a nice departure from what I was doing. And that's kind of what I thought it was going to be like. And it was very different uh, from what I expected, for sure. It was just as much research and just as much jargon to sift through as my former jobs. Did you think it was going to be so like muddy and murky? No. Or did you think this was going to be clear cut? Yeah, I thought it was going to be clear cut. I just kind of thought it was, you know, something simple like there's aliens and UFOs or there's not, period. It was just that black and white. So what was something unexpected that you've learned? Because this is something that you've been doing for a while now. Okay. So the show was greenlit in July um, of 2021, but we paused for several months to have everyone, all the producers, come off different projects and assemble the team. So we didn't really start working until, what, was it like September or something? The end of August, like in earnest, yeah. Yeah, 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 like end of August, early September is when we started to really dig in. And I, in my mind, had a kind of clear picture, or at least a version of what the show would look like and the path it would follow. But between September of 2021 and now when this show came out, the amount of things that changed, the amount of information that mm-hmm. came out, the amount of shifts in in what was what, staying on top of all of the developments that occurred within that like eight or nine month period was exciting because it was like, holy shit, something new has happened or this new little bit of information's out. We got to get this in the show. We have to talk about this. We have to call this person. So it was exciting that we were trying to tell a story as it's developing, trying to write, make additions, make changes, take things out, add things in. But it was also just fucking exhausting. Like I would wake up in the morning and look at my Twitter and see like a post from somebody and be like, oh, this this FOIA just came in. Here's what it says. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Because now we have to somehow work it in or do we choose to work it in or we worked it in and then we took it out later. Like it's, It was constant. That was exciting um, and exhausting. What was the most exciting part of, of this show for you? So absolutely the fact that this topic goes so deep and so far back in our government, in, in my government, not our government, because you're Canadian. So they, my government. We have a UFO thing too. Sure. Totally. But the US government is so into this stuff. That was very fascinating to me. The fact that taxpayer money has gone into this research, that there are people that have really interesting hobbies that are into ghosts, that are into UFOs, the things that go bump in the night that are also signing legislation and like running for office are into this stuff. So that that was what I was stoked for. What was the worst part of the job? What's the part of this job that you're like, I don't ever want to go near this fucking subject again? It was disappointing landing in Vegas and finding out that we couldn't talk to Lou Elizondo. I really wanted to talk to him. I will say a very funny thing is like my first day working on this job, we interviewed Lou Elizondo and I had no idea how big this guy was. When I talk to people who are in this world and they know I talk to Lou Elizondo, they lose their minds. I will never forget you coming to the hotel after your flight. And and this was the first time we actually met in person. Mm-hmm. So literally, you, you literally knock on my door and we're like, ah! we like finally meet for the first time and we're like so excited and then you're like have I'm a like, seat i have yeah you need to sit down um, you need to I have, have a seat. really I... bad news yeah and and 
And the look on your face, I'll, I'll never forget. It, I think we immediately were like, fuck this. And we walked from our hotel to the nearest liquor store and bought a bottle of bourbon. And we drank right. that afternoon. And we paid for that. That <laughs> because, was not expense. No, that was not expense. Out of pocket. Um, yeah. So that was fun. Okay. One thing I'll say is you and I did a really good job of, of picking food. Like we- Oh, sure. <laughs> I just, some of the restaurants that we ate at yes. were amazing. What about dinner with Fugel? That meal was good, right? Yeah, dinner with Brandon Fugel was pretty cool. The strangest restaurant because you're in the middle of Utah in like this landlocked state, but they had amazing seafood. And and literally, as we describe in the show, shrimp cocktails that would literally fold any table just right in half from weight. It would just yeah. cave in. Yeah, um, it was a platter yeah. of just shrimps. I want to know, what was your favorite part of the road trip? Like favorite road oh, trip road moment? trip moment. Let's see. It was a lot, but I really liked day one when we had all those interviews packed into one. So we met Robert Bush, who was a pill. I enjoyed Robert Bush's interview. I enjoyed meeting him. And I think between there, going to Paul Smith... We met Paul Smith and then meeting him and going to his office and careening through the mountains in, we were in Utah at that point. We were driving from Las Vegas, drove through Utah, through the mountains, gorgeous. And then we get to Paul Smith's place at 10 o'clock at night, do a full interview, and then roll up to a haunted house at 1230 at night. So that was, was an epic day, Yeah, which we didn't use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We decided not to use it, mostly because there wasn't that tie to the government. It was a spooky house, but, you know, no X-Filers went there. It wasn't something that the feds were looking at. It was just more of like a, a paranormal hotspot unrelated to the government. And coming from an audio perspective, I don't think we would do it justice on audio. I mean, it was a beautiful house, creepy stuff, but you, you can't capture that on audio. When we were on that road trip, we had maybe 25% or 30% of what we sort of thought the show was going to be. And and there was, we had room in the general idea of the show to tie in sort of these kind of paranormal stories that had no connection to the government and just sort of um, trying to loop in sort of some of this other stuff. But as the show developed over what, like the next six months or seven months, it we all had to pivot, right? We just sort of, the, the idea behind the show pivots. You, you're, you have all these other interviews. Um, so unfortunately, it's it's like, yeah, the house was amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, it just didn't fit in with what the show became, I think. And it was just fun at the end of the day. Like, who cares? You're already there. You might as well go to a haunted house. Right. And then the real scary part, though. The motel was by far the scariest place I had ever been to. We we checked in what like one thirty or two yes, in the morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The 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 woman behind the counter was so nice. Very nice. Um, yep. She checks us in, and then it's you just walk up this motel in this motel area, and there's this strange old man sweeping the parking lot. We checked into our hotel, and and there was a moment of me sitting there being like we're going to get murdered tonight. Somebody is going to murder us. And it's probably going to be this old man sweeping the parking lot at two in the morning. And the worst part is I woke up that next morning at whatever, 7.30, and I poked my head out the window and he was sweeping the parking lot still at 7.30 in the morning. And I was like, this is impossible. He must have gone to bed and now he's back <laughs> sweeping that same part of the parking lot. I, I couldn't believe it. He was still he standing was stuck there in sweeping. A time I, I didn't know what happened. Yeah. Now you saw a ghost though at that hotel. Yeah, so I had a... Possibly paranormal experience at the motel following that very long day, followed by the haunted house. So maybe I was influenced. I was going to bed 
And it was a creepy motel. So I wanted to keep the TV on to have some ambient noise, some sound in the room. And when I turned on the TV, there was this very old woman's face on this flat screen TV. It was just her face, just the profile of her face. And it was this weird, distorted, purplish color. And the worst part of it was that the frame wouldn't change. It was just frozen on this face. And there was this sound. And I'm going to get close to my microphone. It was like this. It was... Like breathing, weird mouth sounds. If people like ASMR, maybe you'd enjoy it, but it was weird. So I turned off the TV because I'm thinking there's something wrong with the TV. Like it's just stuck on this frame in this creepy movie. Maybe it's Rob Zombie's movie on at two in the morning in Nephi, Utah, and the TV is janky and it's not working. And I turn it off, wait a few minutes, turn it back on, and it's the face. It's the same face, the same sounds, nothing had changed. So I try to change the channel and it's not changing. It's stuck on this face. And I turn it off and I jump into bed. I leave all the lights on and I fall asleep to Chet Baker sings because that was the only thing that would lull me back to sleep. I would have loved to have seen it. Like I would have loved to run into this hotel room with this creepy lady on a TV. I would attempt communication. I would be like, why are you here? Well, it will have to leave it to the listener to decide whether this this happened or like what happened. So speaking of paranormal encounters, um, which I may have had one. So ghosts, aliens, tentacle creatures from another dimension, which would surprise you the most to be proven true and why? Oh man. Which one would surprise me the most? I think I think the ones that I want to be the most true are like honest to goodness monsters. You know what I mean? Stuff like werewolves and dogmen and like the Loch Ness monster and like strange tentacle creatures that roam the woods. The one that would surprise me the most would be like the more mythological ones, right? The ones that that come from like like the ancient world or the, the middle ages, like, like those kind of like traditional monster stories. Cause at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of ghost stories out there. People often claim to see ghosts like all the time. So, you know, if suddenly ghosts were proven to be true, like, yeah, okay, I guess that tracks, you know, it, aliens. Sure. Because the universe is so big. I've seen so much science fiction in my life. You know, again, if aliens like show up and, and land on earth and it's like, Oh, it turns out they're real. Again, it kind of tracks. What, what doesn't really track for me are like, the monster stories, the, the 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 really weird, creepy monster stories with werewolves and vampires and blood-sucking goat monsters and all of these other like weird, creepy creatures that just allegedly exist out there. But 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 really, there's like there's so little, if any, evidence to really discuss them in any way. Um, I that would surprise me the most. Like if if werewolves turned out to be real, I would be hilariously surprised. If vampires turned out to be real, I would be like really surprised by all of this. I kind of want those things to be real. It sounds like it. I'm starting to think that maybe you are a werewolf. I don't know if I've seen you at night. You ran into that hotel room very quickly. (laughs) Well, I was being chased by a scary man with a broom in a parking lot. (laughs) And I mean, listen, aliens and ghosts maybe don't make sense either, but at least there's, there's maybe a little more. Well, there's almost a human aspect to ghosts and aliens. Like they're more related to what we we know. It's kind of tethered in a sort of reality that we're comfortable with. Whereas like a tentacle creature or yeah, yeah, a werewolf. 
it, it's another strange. one would be like a precognitive non-human intelligence, right? What like what people claim is going on at Skinwalker Ranch, or what uh, Andre Puharich kind of claims with the Nine, right? That there exists this sort of force out there that's kind of all-knowing, all-present. It's not God, really, because it's not all-powerful, but it's just kind of something that's kind of always been here with us. Does it embody something? Does it have a form, or is it just like I, I, maybe it can, like maybe it just it exists. Can take form. And again, right, we just don't know, right? We're heavy speculating, dear listener. This is in no way based in reality, but you know, if that did exist, some sort of strange entity that exists alongside us, you know, with us all around us, and it's precognitive, so it knows what you're thinking before you think it. It just it kind of is all knowing. Uh, that would be weird. Um, that would really surprise me that 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 sort of thing exists. And, and you know what? Maybe it does. It just sounds like AI to me or machine learning. Right. So maybe though, and so so let's let's keep going down this rabbit hole. Maybe sometime in our future, like our near future, we invent an AI that is basically hyper intelligent because it's so intelligent meets the point of singularity where it learns everything, then time travels back into the past and starts seeding us now in our uh, present because it's precognitive and non-human, right? It's just the AI living today all around us. And then it's seeding us for an eventual human takeover or something even worse. Um, You know what I mean? Um, It's trying to destroy us before we can go all like human resistance and Terminator on it. I don't know. This could be a Terminator situation, Casey. Wow, this this is cheery. Uh, what's the uh, paperclip? What do they call it? Like you teach a robot to make a paperclip, and then it eventually takes over the world. Yeah, it's because it's it's like as as machines become smarter and smarter, they will learn and stack that learning. But the problem is, an AI can learn so quickly that that you know it takes our species a thousand years to learn, you know, how to stack bricks together to build skyscrapers, right? Where it takes an AI system to do, it can do that in seconds. It'll figure out kind of everything in a few seconds. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you have the robot building the paperclip, which then is, you know, turns out it just controls every satellite and blows you up with lasers. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Great. (laughs) So so let's, I want to ask one more because I think it's important because I think the vast majority of people who listen to this show much like you probably had no idea about UFOs, had no idea of convoluted story that it is. I want to know, did you leave this this strange journey with me (laughs) more of a skeptic or more of a believer or is it more complicated than that? Be honest, Casey. Yeah, it's. I'm going to go with it's complicated. It's more complicated than that. It's one of those situations where it's almost like the more I know, the more confused I am and the less certain I am about everything. I came in a healthy skeptic. I was very disappointed by some of the things that I learned. But I think where I land, I agree with John Greenwald on this. Like maybe it's a little bit of everything. I, I think that some of this is real and some of it can be explained. Like the, the face in the TV can be explained. Doesn't mean my experience wasn't real. Doesn't mean that I was sleepwalking and I didn't actually see this. But there are also very real explanations for what happened. And what the pilots saw, what Chris Bledsoe experienced, those are all very real things that happened to them. And some of the other players in this space, I know this is a phrase that I think Brendan Fugel is not a fan of, but I believe that they believe. 
and that's where I'm gonna leave it. But I would say it was a hell of a journey to get here. It was a hell of a journey. Let's hope there's more journeys like this in our future. Alien State is hosted by me, MJ Benias. It's reported by me and Casey Georgie. Produced by Casey Georgie. Our associate producer is Stephanie Aguilar. Written by Grant Irving, Casey Georgie, and myself. Editing by Lizzie Jacobs and Megan Dietry. Fact-checking by Matt Giles. Our production coordinator is Lily Hambly. Music by Nolan Schneider. Sound design by Grant Irving and Sam Baer. Engineering by Sam Baer. Our executive producers are Grant Irving, Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, and Anthony LaPay. Special thanks to Pallavi Kotamasu, Steve Ackerman, Charlie Yador, and Danielle Jones-Wesley. Thanks to our legal team, Nimra Azmi and Alison Shari, for Davis Wright Tremaine. <laughs>